Most of the conversations you'll hear on this podcast are with grieving moms, but with Father's Day right around the corner, today's episode features a father who experienced pregnancy or infant loss with his wife when he was in anesthesia school. So take a listen and hopefully you will connect with some of the experiences that they had with their miscarriages and then finding some help with a fertility specialist. Welcome to the Pause to Remember podcast. My name is Amy Pelkey. I'm a practicing CRNA yoga teacher and mother to one son here on earth and one daughter who was stillborn. If you are a healthcare provider who has experienced pregnancy or infant loss, this podcast is for you. My goal is to offer resources, conversations, and mindfulness-based grief tools to help providers like you build the courage to acknowledge and process your emotions, the strength to carry your grief, and resilience so you can preserve your career, relationships, and overall well-being while honoring the memory of your baby. I want to assure you that you are not alone in your grief. I am thankful that you are here today. Let's begin. Hello, everybody. Thank you again for joining us here at the Pause to Remember podcast. My guest today is David Polakowski. He is a CRNA down in the Orlando area. And I am going to have a conversation with him here because his wife and he went through a couple of miscarriages in school and then another one shortly thereafter when he was a new CRNA. It's nice to have a conversation with both moms and dads. We all grieve after a loss and the experience is unique for a man or a woman, no matter how you know late into your pregnancy um, your loss is, opportunity to and remember each baby. So welcome, David. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You want to tell us a little bit about CRNA and having a loss in school, because I know um, we already have a couple of in the Facebook group who are in school losses. Maybe you can speak to that as well as being a new CRNA. Great. Absolutely. Um, like like you said, Amy, my name is David Polakowski. I'm originally from the West Central PA area. Um, my wife and I, we moved down to Central Florida area, just west of Orlando in 2019. We have two beautiful boys. They are now three and five, and we are very lucky. Fortunately, had multiple losses before, but luckily um, we were able to conceive and to have two very healthy children. While I was in school, I went to Excella Health um, of 2013, and I graduated in December of 15. I had always, my wife and I, we got married in August of 13. It was actually ridiculous. We got married August 3rd of 2013. We went on a honeymoon. We came back. We closed on a house. We gutted the house. She started back teaching full-time. And I started anesthesia school all within about 20 days. Um, (laughs) Then we started a whole house remodel um, while I was in school, which was actually not as bad as it sounds because it was a way for me to break and clear my mind and kind of work more of my back than my mind. So I was able to get back to studying and be fresh. 
but we had both decided that we would kind of wait to have kids until we were able to provide for them. So our goal was to, as kind of school was wrapping up, let's try to have kids. Planner, I'm, I'm very type A. We thought it would be kind of, you know, easy to, to just plan out. Um, and it wasn't, um, but that's okay. We conceived, I actually wrote down a little bit of a timeline today. Uh, my wife, Erica, she was birth control for a very long time, which we think had helped uh, add to the problem. Off in July of 2014, and actually really shortly after uh, we were able to conceive medical, I knew that, you know, you don't count your chickens until, you know, they're hatched was very, you know, kind of matter of fact about it. I was obviously very happy, but um, unfortunately my wife had kind of picked a name and she knew her due date and she just kind of ran with it. And um, at eight weeks, she had some pretty heavy bleeding, more than spotting that I would have anticipated. And I, I knew something was not right. Um, we went into the ER and uh, they did really well by us. I mean, it was, you know, really hard time. The physician there was very professional, very uh, appropriate in that manner. Uh, transvaginal ultrasound showed a empty sac. It showed a blighted ovum and that she was already starting to kind of pass that. She was very crampy and everything. So they gave us options whether to go home and let her pass it naturally or to try to schedule um, with her physician and her physician wasn't really able to get us in fairly timely manner. So we decided it's pretty much already starting to do it at home. I'm, I'm home studying. You know, it was, uh, I think though, those couple of days I only had uh, immediately following, I only had class a couple of days I was able to be home. So I was actually with her while she was doing uh, that of them. And uh, that was really hard. Had an idea of what to expect, you know, because of being medical. Had no idea. It was, it was really, truly labor. And she was in a lot of pain with the dilation and everything and, and very freaked out about the blood and, you know, the tissue that she was passing. Stayed with her and we got through it. Um, and it was really no fun. And we continued to keep trying back to her obstetrician and said, okay, we do. Was there a problem? Does this just happen? You know, what are the odds of it happening again? And uh, he was very appropriate. He's also very old school, um, very good guy. It was actually her obstetrician that she saw as a, uh, you know, as a teenager moving away and in college and then moving back. So she had a rapport with him, which was great. He's a, he's a great guy. I think a little reluctant to kind of jump on um, newer ideas or newer things. He started her on progesterone and that just like wiped her out. Kept trying. Then second time pregnant was in March of 2015. And same thing, I'm very controlled, very, you know, let's, let's just take it easy. And she kind of just runs with it. Um, you know, planning, making dates, picking names and stuff. 
And actually funny with um, picking names, then whenever we did have our first son, first two names were off the table because they kind of went for, for those ones that we, you know, were saying we're boys. So that was a nice little bit of closure for her. So, and then, so <laughs> the, the second one, um, she was having some, some heavy bleeding and we went into her obstetrician and um, they did an ultrasound and they saw again, a blighted ovum. So we both decided that it was probably in our best interest to go have a DE, and um, kind of make sure that all uterine lining was kind of cleared off because maybe the, the first one, she didn't pass everything. Who knows? So we did that. And that was also really scary because I'm in school and I know <laughs> possibilities, what could happen, this and that. And uh, I was actually sitting and studying whenever the MDA came into pre-opper and he was, he was anything but caring and compassionate. He was flat, but he completely disregarded. I was even in the room, asked her about seven or eight questions and then walked out. She, she had the DNA. She did great afterwards. And then we said, okay, we need to do something different. Let's go to, well, actually we, we talked with friends. We talked with uh, classmates of hers at a wedding we went to a couple months after that uh, in the summer. They had just conceived and had a real hard time and they went to Shady Grove in Maryland um, and highly recommended their physician, Dr. Bromer. So um, we set up an appointment with them and, uh, you know, got, gave them all of our records, this and that. I did a semen analysis in the meantime. So we kind of all had, had all of our ducks in a row and they were absolutely phenomenal. They put her through a whole bunch of different lab tests that our obstetrician just didn't think of. She came back with having the MTHFR mutation get exactly what it's a, it's a big word but um she she got both from her parents you have to have both from both parents to express the gene she cannot convert folic acid into folate which makes complete sense because you get to eight or ten weeks neural tube doesn't develop doesn't complete and the body understands it's not going to be a viable fetus and it aborts was really awesome because we were like, okay, this is what it is. And, you know, my wife doesn't have to blame herself or think that she did something wrong. Oh, she's, so she's a runner and she was worried that running too much early on may have, you know, caused issue with the implantation, whatever. So now we're kind of at a clean slate. Grove was absolutely amazing. They had her coming down like weekly to get ultrasounds of her ovaries and the eggs and did a HSG to start, saw everything was nice and clean. Um, and then um, they, they started us on some timed ovulation. And uh, we did that for two months. They actually wanted to jump to the IUI, which I had a problem with because I want to be part of this. <laughs> so I said, let's try, you know, the timed ovulation first. And they were agreeable. My God, my wife with the injections into her abdomen, she, I had to like pin her down, worked um, within two months, we were able to conceive and keep 
And in December, on December 17th, my birthday is December 16th. On December 17th, 2016, my son, Louis Polakowski was born. Six ounces, 20 inches, uh, absolutely perfect. So we were over the moon excited uh, and also a little nervous because we wanted multiple kids. So it's like, okay, do we start trying sooner than later? Is it going to take a long time? Who knows? And we both wanted our kids to be very close together so that they could have each other through school and friends groups and everything. So we um, didn't really not try, but we didn't try. We just kind of said for a little bit, let's just see how it goes. Said my wife's a runner, was to do her best time ever. She was doing a half in Ocean City, New Jersey in October, beginning of October. And unfortunately, it was a 90 plus degree day with humidity. And she started running and she was running with one of her best friends. And she turned to her friend and said, I'm pregnant. And her friend, like mile one, she's like, I'm pregnant. And her friend was like, why are you telling me this now? And she's like, I, I have this awful feeling. She's like, I know she has horrible pregnancies. She's like, I know this awful feeling. I'm pregnant. I know it. And she ended up still eating in less than two hours, but she was, she was primed to go for like 1.30. So she was a little disappointed. Home from New Jersey, she took a test. It was negative. Two days later, she took another one. It was positive. And you know, not, not too long after our second son, Benjamin Polakowski was born on June 4th, 2018. And my wife's birthday is June 2nd. So both of us have the boys right next to us, which is really cool. He's three years old now. He's healthy. Um, and we are beyond blessed. Wonderful. What a journey. And, and you know, when you start talking to other people about their experiences, it is amazing how many people go through years of miscarriage, trying fertility, yeah. and like that process of trying to sort it all out, find mm-hmm. the provider that you connect with, that you trust, totally. that you can say, okay, this seems like a reasonable plan that we are comfortable with. I think that makes a huge difference. And just trying to find that provider that you connect with sometimes is a real challenge for a lot of people. Absolutely. The uh, coolest things was whenever we went to Shady Grove, one of the things that they'll look at for, for payment is they'll look at tax returns for the last two years. I was a student. I had negative. Oh, no. My wife was a teacher in a low-income school district. We made zero money. It was, it, I think it cost us like $3,000 for everything, which is just like amazing. So if there's anyone out there in school with no money to speak for, it's a good time to kind of go and see what works and get options and get testing. It really helped us. You heard that dating the cost of fertility treatment is standard practice, or do you think that was unique to this group? It's, I think it's pretty universal. I think uh, I, I'm thinking that for these places as a, you know, extra incentive, come to us and let us help you out, that they have programs um, designed like that. Interesting. I didn't realize yeah. that. That's a really good tip for yeah. anybody who is in school yep. going through this. Yep. You were in school. Or classmates know? Did your program director know? Like, did you find that it impacted you 
in any way. And like looking back at it, you wish you did things differently or you are comfortable. It all played out exactly the way it should, or, you know. Um, I was very blessed. The program that I went to, they truly were a community that would rally around you. For the first day we were there, um, they gave us a presentation and we were sitting around. Actually, sorry, not the first day. It was the interview, the interview process. They gave a big presentation. And they talked to all of us and they said, listen, we know that every single person in this room, there's 12 of us that interviewed with my group, 60 interviewed, 286 applied. They said every single person in here could get into school and make it through school. We want to know who works for us. We're a family. We take care of each other. If you have a classmate who's sick, somebody take care of them. If you, if, if we ever find out that you gave another classmate wrong information to try to get better than them, you're out. Like just no questions asked. You're out. Um, we take care of each other. So I was very lucky. I did talk with my program director after our second because. <laughs> I started my obstetrics rotation the day after uh, Erica's d and was hurting. Uh, it, I, was, I was in a really bad place because I was so, I'm a, I'm a baby lover. If, if you see me at a family gathering and there's a baby, I stole them. I, I have them there and you're not getting them back. Um, so it was, it was so much. I was so happy for these women that were able to have these babies and have these families. And then I was hurting so much because we couldn't. And at that point, we didn't have answers. We just had two blighted ovums. I'm talking with obstetricians at the OB rotation and they're talking molar pregnancies and this and that. And I'm just like, I'm melting. Um, So one of my best friends through school, TJ, knew our situation very well. He was, he was my confidant and I was actually with him at that rotation. And, uh, I can remember him one day I was talking with an obstetrician and she was explaining about how, when they do a D and E and then they take all the tissue and try to piece it back together and everything knew I was in trouble. And he pulled me away. He's like, Hey, I think we got a start C-section. Let's go. And pulled me away and really saved me. Um, because I didn't need that, uh, at that time. Yeah, a a few, I want to say TJ and one other guy in my program that I was very close with knew. And, uh, and I told our program director because I said, Hey, listen, like, I'm, I try to be the most to work with person, self-sufficient, easy to work with. The last thing I want to do is say, Hey, you know, the rotation that was on my schedule for the last 18 months. Yeah, I can't do it now. So I, I just wanted to make him aware that. Hey, listen, I'm going through something. I should be okay. But if I'm not, I'm going to let you know. And they were absolutely phenomenal. Like I said, it, it was literally a family unit that you could, you could call them in the middle of the night and say, I'm having this problem. And they're like, okay, let's work through it. Hey, I am one of the most blessed people ever. I, I know I was very blessed for that rotation, for um, the school that I went to. And, and everything. And I think having gone through that made me a much better provider because on that rotation, so had, you know, fetal demises come in and uh, I, will, I will never forget this family. 
Um, they had just had their 20 week ultrasound, found out that it was a boy. And that evening, um, the patient's water broke and the baby passed. And she came in and uh, she requested an epidural and I came in and I'm, I try to be happy. I try to, you know, so I, you know, I didn't know the full situation coming in. I just got told, Hey, room 18 needs an epidural. So I'm like, Hey, how are you guys doing? And I see what's going on. And uh, I spent about an hour in that room talking with them and, uh, and put in her epidural. And then I, I actually left the room. I'm Catholic. They were a Catholic family. And I got out of the room and my wife's uncle was a priest and I called him and I said, what do I do? What do we pray? What can we read? How can I help them? And he gave me about 10 different things over about a half an hour. And I went back in and I spent another couple hours with them. Um, and that was excruciating, but it helped them. I'm glad I went through it. I think as providers, we're in a really unique situation we go from scrubs to wearing the hospital gown or our loved one is wearing the hospital gown and then back to scrubs again. And every experience, previous experience. And I think that on through it, I can share that, that feeling with you that I have a certain different kind of empathy and understanding. Absolutely. And I think I really slow down a whole lot more too. Mm -hmm. And I'm much quicker to say, Hey, especially during COVID, I, I did a lot of off shifts during COVID yeah. weekend stuff. And if we had like an ectopic pregnancy, you know, and family couldn't come in, I was really quick to go out to pre-op and say, yep. Hey, before I take you back, do you want to call your loved one? I'll go grab a phone for you or yeah. something like that. Because I think as providers, especially now, everything's just go, go, go at a whole new yeah. level post COVID. Or Absolutely. It's more not technically post COVID, yeah. but yeah. you know, coming Past on the, the other peak. side of things. Yeah. Yeah. Is now more important than ever to just have a mindful moment yeah. and say, Hey, this is a moment to just say in this moment. Yeah. Can I, call, can I get a loved one for you? Can I get you a warm blanket? Can I just yep. stand here and hold space for you yep. to just share just with present. me what you're feeling? Yeah. 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 Yep. I had a, a topic Wednesday and, uh, riding back to the room, uh, I told her, I said, this, this won't help you, but if we have had multiple miscarriages, sorry, I don't know what you're going through, but I just want you to know, I'm sorry. And I, and I have, I have empathy for you. And, uh, I think it helped her. I hope it did. Um, I believe that it did. Yeah. Just but, simply acknowledging it yep. because the other thing too, in the OR is going to hold anything. They're not, yeah. you know, they're just going to wake up and it's going to be gone. And you don't yeah. have that time yep. that you would have sitting up in OB. Yep. Um, that's to really unique closure. to the OR. Yeah. Absolutely. I think closure is huge. Huge. It is. I think, and I, you know, it's not necessarily that you get hundred percent closure, but it's like, closure to the hospital experience and yes. that part of it. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, having that space and time to start processing those feelings before you go home and then start the next layer of, of processing. It's just been amazing that you have been so open and shared so much. I truly believe that there'll be 
leaders out there that will really benefit from hearing your story so. and and your wife's journey as well. Just want to say thank you. And and in closing, is there anything that you would like to share that you think is important? You've been quite comprehensive <laughs> here in this conversation, yeah. but any other final thoughts that you have? Uh, just just to say that you need to talk to somebody, talk to somebody. Mm. Um, you need to take care of yourself. We as healthcare providers we kill ourselves to take care of our patients. We go for hours without food or drink, bathroom breaks, radiation, standing for hours and hours and hours. You can't take care of somebody unless you take care of yourself. People get help that you need and work to get yourself in a better place. I think that is wonderful and timely advice whether you're going through a loss or you're not going through a loss, yeah, but definitely yeah. if you're going through a loss and it's okay to say, I need some time off from work yep. and I need, you know, if you have had a stillbirth, I need my full maternity leave. You know, if Absolutely. you've had a C-section, I need the full eight or even 10 Absolutely. weeks if you're having trouble healing. Yep. And you, if your cup is not full, then you have yep. not, you don't have much to give to your patients and your, your coworkers and whatnot. So I think that's really great advice to end on. Thank you. All right, David, thank you. Thank you. I hope listening to this conversation between David and myself was supportive and helpful to you on your grieving journey. Talking about your loss, the struggles that you're going through either professionally with your relationships or with your own self-care can be really helpful in your journey through the grief. On the second Monday of every month at 7.45 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, a virtual support group is being offered specifically for female healthcare providers who are grieving. To join this group, please click the show note below or go to the Pause to Remember website. Thank you again for being here and listening. If you would like to support the Pause to Remember podcast, please like it and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or post this episode or any other episode that you have found helpful to your social media. Thanks. Thanks.